Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today's September 13th. It is 2020. I think it's safe to say these are exciting times. It's already been a fantastic weekend, hadn't it? Yes. You know, it's quite obvious that weddings have been on our mind. This is one of the primary themes that runs throughout the Bible. Jesus is seen in the biblical narrative as a groom. And the believing community is pictured as his beautiful bride, dressed in white. Come on now. Mm. Church, uh, that was an incredible day yesterday. Somebody say yesterday. 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 But that was yesterday. This is LCM and it is Sunday morning. We're going to be on the other major theme in the Bible today, a war story. Yeah! Suffice it to say that we hope that these stories haven't merged inside of your own homes. They're both beautiful in their own right, but they're not as nice when you can't distinguish between the uh, war story and the wedding story inside of your own home. See, we get things right with God on an individual level so that we can get our homes into that same godly order. Amen. Then we go to war on God's behalf as a family to see his desires brought about in the nations of the world. Our message today is called Unanswered Questions. Mm. Unanswered Questions. We're going to be asking you four, say four, four, four major questions today. And we're going to have a test at the end. No, not the end of the message. At the end of your days, you will want to know the answers to these questions before you reach that day. Here's some good news for you, though, is that you will be able to answer them by the end of this service so that you will not be ashamed on that great day when you stand before the king of kings. You want to see what these questions are? Let's pull up the slide. You're not scared to be put to the test, are you, LCO? No. So the first question we're going to address is, what will God inherit? Next, how will God get there? What are we to inherit? And lastly, how do we hope to get there? Yeah, some of you did good to take out your phones and take pictures of those questions. These are the questions that most have not even thought of to ask and they're the most important things that a man could answer in his life we're going to begin in deuteronomy because that's where all good things begin amen deuteronomy 32 we're going to be in verse 8 well where are the rest of you look i gotta tell you we're going after good things today And I'm going whether you go or not, but I sure would like to drag you along with me. Anybody want to go? Yeah! Deuteronomy 32, 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He divided all mankind, He set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel, or your translation may say sons of God, which is more accurate. For the Lord's portion is... His people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. Somebody say inheritance in this house. Inheritance. In this foundational passage from the Torah, we begin to approach the important answer to our first question today, which is, what will God inherit? What an incredible question. Most of us haven't even considered this in our entire life. What is God going to inherit it? 
See, it says here in Deuteronomy 32 that Yahweh's allotted inheritance is Jacob, the man, the family, the nation that is supernaturally transformed from a trickster, a deceiver, a supplanter into Israel, the prince or ruler with God. Wow, what a supernatural transformation that that was. In fact, much of Christianity today is focused on selfish themes, sinful motives, self-centered goals. Unfortunately, they miss the point of the whole Bible. God wants to inherit a people who are his co-rulers, his agents, even his heavenly government on earth. The truth runs throughout the Bible and reaches Peshat, plain, straightforward declaration in the very book of Revelation. Look, we're going to look at a few verses in Revelation, but I, w- I want to make sure you're beginning to follow us. We're not talking about at this moment what you inherit. Hey, why are you a Christian? Well, when I die, I want to go to heaven. How self-centric. How, how ridiculous. And how unbiblical. You're going to find that out. God actually wants to inherit something inside of you. He wants to inherit something in his people. And I don't meet one Christian in a thousand that can enumerate it in their speech. And they certainly are not demonstrating it in their life. But we have higher goals for you. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Revelation 2 in verse 26. Peshat, straightforward speech. To him who overcomes... I'm talking about a super conqueror. I'm talking about a more than a conqueror. I'm talking about a true believer to him who overcomes. Not the lug on a log that says, "Uh uh-huh, to a doctrinal statement. To someone who is actually overcoming and does my will, how long? To the end. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority Over the nations. See, God will have authority over every nation in a real and a holistic sense. And he wants a people that will share in that kind of authority, but it is only given to the true believer, the overcomer, the victorious man in Christ Jesus. That is a part of God's inheritance. Come on, are you guys hearing what Pastor Eric is saying to you this morning? The only type of true believer there is are the ones that overcome to the end. In Revelation chapter 3, in verse 21, it says this, To him who overcomes, on the screen it says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. In case you're back from the old school like I am, these are in red letters in your Bible. These are Jesus the Christ, the resurrected King, saying these things. To him who overcomes, I will give that person the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He is laying out the pathway that you see here. He who has an ear, you got to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church today. Jesus laid it out. Jesus is God, but he laid that divinity aside as an anointed man. As an anointed man. And he showed us how to become God's inheritance through obedience alone. To be God's inheritance, we must be obedient just as Jesus was. And we will sit on the throne of the kingdom as he presently sits on the throne of the kingdom. Did you hear what pastor said? To be God's inheritance, we must be obedient. 
this is a message of hope of what we can be presently and what we will be. In fact, the Gospels announce the establishment of God's rule. His kingdom with the very statement, the kingdom of God is near. Of course, this is stated in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. But the, the, the phrase kingdom of God is used in this fashion 66 times in the Newer Testament alone. I'd like you to think through that for a minute. 66 times the kingdom of God is referenced in only 27 books. But friends, there's only 66 books in the Bible. The entirety of the emphasis of the Newer Testament, the culmination of the revelation that was laid out through all 66 books is that the kingdom of God is coming upon you, that the kingdom is near, that God's rule is not somewhere else, but here and now. The epistles, those are not the apostles' wives. The epistles are the letters that were written to emphasize this very point. They're aimed at fully realizing God's inheritance in His people. They're not aimed at the people inheriting heaven somewhere. They're aimed at God inheriting in His own people that which He desires. His kingdom rule in their actual lives. That's why the apostles wrote and prayed things like Ephesians 1.18. We're going to look at this together. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. If the apostle had to pray for you to understand, to begin to comprehend, or to grasp what you're actually called to, then it is probably not some cowardly, ridiculous leftover from the Catholic Church that is just a repeat-after-me prayer while you raise your hand in a dark room at a revival. A decision card to follow Jesus. Okay. Well, if that's how you came in, then I'm glad that we started somewhere. There's nowhere to go from there but up. Because that is pretty ridiculously low. The kind of thing we're talking about right now required the apostle to pray for the Ephesians just to begin to understand what God wanted to be done in them. And look at how he says it. The riches of His Glorious inheritance. Yeah. The emphasis is not on what you'll inherit. Oh, well, I'll get golden streets and candied apples and lollipops and maybe a mansion with a few servants. This is ridiculous carnality. God wants to inherit something in you. Amen. Now, friends, if God wants that, don't you think God should get that? Yes. The riches of His, whose? His. His. Glorious inheritance in the saints. See, this is His inheritance. He wants you as a kingdom partner, a co-ruler. He wants you to be His agency on earth. It has nothing to do with you believing and dying and going to heaven. It has everything to do with you participating right now in God's rule on this planet. That is what He wants to inherit in you. Oh, that's good. So then it's clear God will inherit this kind of people. He's not going to accept another. That's why Jesus said, This is my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If the gates of hell are prevailing against you, then you are not the church. Or the battle is not over yet. But his church will be victorious, will be his government, 
will be his agency on earth. He started with a people like Jacob, but he arrives with a people like the name Israel. He turns ordinary folks into a prince or ruler or governor with God, which is what Israel means. Amen. Look, it was a mystery. How many people in here are not from the U.S., not born here? Raise your hands. Okay? Now everybody born in the U.S., raise your hands. Everybody keep them up. Keep them up. You're halfway to being charismatic. That is very good right now. It is a mystery. You can put them down. That you Gentiles, as far as I know, we only have one DNA-tested Jew, and I'm going to tell you one 92nd doesn't count. So let's just put that away. One man that was raised as a Jew in this house right now. It was a mystery that you could be included in this inheritance at all. Don't you think we ought to know what that inheritance is then? Yes. You, like Israel, will be taken from what you were, what some of you still are, to what you will become and are becoming. We must become God's inheritance. The answer to the first question, what will God inherit? He will inherit a people supernaturally transformed into His ruling agency on the earth. That is God's inheritance, and He will get it. We just want Him to get it from the men and women in this room. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's return to Deuteronomy 32. Let's go back to the Torah. Let's go back to the basis of what we're talking about here in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 8. When the Most High God, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He divided all mankind, when He set up boundaries for the people according to the number of the sons of God, for the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob, His allotted inheritance. Everybody say the word portion. 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 For the Lord's portion is His people. Well, here we're going to begin to approach the answer to our second question, which is how will God get there? This is our next slide. Thus far, we have discussed that God will inherit supernaturally transformed people as his co-rulers. But where does a process like that start? How will he do it? Does he just stroll down to the local retail store and make an over-the-counter purchase? No. Is it just a matter of making a, a purchase, says so many preachers say from the pulpits? No. It is much more and even much better than something like that. Look, we're intentionally attacking some of your favorite subjects. Well, I just know that he purchased me. All about the purchase, like Jesus went and put his blood in a vending machine and out popped a heaven-bound person. You're missing more than half of the story. And the truth is, is most people who speak like that and most people that say that will never share eternity with us anyway. So we want to get this Right. We want to learn what we're to become, what his process is to get there. The purchase of the blood is extraordinary, but he gave his blood for the entire world and the entire world's population does not end up his inheritance. That doctrine is called total reconciliation and it's totally wrong. He does not save every person on the planet. He does not save everyone that his blood was given to purchase. So purchase is not enough. There must be something else. The answer is hinted at in the use of the word portion. It was in Deuteronomy 32 and in verse 9. The Lord's portion is his people. 
Jacob his allotted inheritance. I get it. You've been taught well. You're like, ah, pastor, that's Hebrew parallelism. I recognize the poetry. So essentially then portion and inheritance must be the same thing. God's just saying the same thing twice and it's somewhat redundant, but you would be totally wrong. It's not the case in this passage. While it is parallel, it's parallel with nuance. The word for inheritance speaks of what God will arrive at, what his inheritance will be. But the word portion tells us how we get there. Portion in Hebrew is halak, and it literally is the spoils won in conflict, battle, and warfare. God will arrive at this kind of people, and he does it through the spoils of war. See, in order for God to get his inheritance, he goes to war with the ruling principalities of this world. He goes to war with the ruling principalities in your home. He goes to war with the ruling principalities inside of you. He defeats them. And he considers you not only as inheritance, but as halak, his spoils, bounty, or treasures won from a celestial battle. God fights for his inheritance, and you must learn to fight for it too. Amen. Man, what an incredible concept that God is fighting for his inheritance. That you are and I are the spoils of war that is fought in a heavenly way. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. In this writings in the Newer Testament, we're going to see what Paul and Timothy were writing to this church here. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. It says this, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. A kingdom is the king, is, is typifying a king over a dominion. That's what a kingdom is. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Amen. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Church, you know it to be true. You were once dominated by darkness. You were not just a good person that got saved one day. You were a wretched human being. If you never came to that realization, then you never came to the cross. You never came to salvation. You didn't just need to be cleaned up a little bit. You were in the dominion. You were dominated by darkness. But now God has claimed you. You know why? Because you are His spoils of war. Yes. He defeats the demonic powers in your life. And then what does He do? He transforms you into His inheritance. Come on now. You can't keep fighting the same battles your whole life and think that you've come into this kingdom. He helps you to win. Why? Because you are His spoils. And He is taking you from the enemy. He is making you into a prince with God. Everyone destined to rule with God was not only purchased... Thank you, Lord, that you purchased us, but you were one out of conflict with the enemy. He went and he claimed you. He saw you and he took you from the enemy. That's what it means to be a spoil of war. Oh, do you hear that declaration of what you are? You are the very spoils of war. You were one out of conflict with the very enemy. That puts us in a position to stand confident and righteous before God and see ourselves as his inheritance. We see this in Exodus 12, 12. 
On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. See, God defeated the gods of Egypt. He delivered his people from their bondage so that they could become his inheritance. That's who he was fighting for. They were and we are more than just a mere purchase. We are the spoils of an ongoing celestial conflict. Born out of warfare and destined to become something God inherits. His co-rulers with him. Somebody say ongoing. 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 Conflict. 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 Now I either just described your life in relationship to the enemy. Or the situation that exists in your home. I'm not sure which. But God purchased you. He is still at war with everything that ever controlled you. And you must also be at war with everything that ever controlled you. How are you doing at becoming his inheritance this morning? The idea that because his blood was shed for you, that's all that needs to be done, misses the fact that you are in a battle that is ongoing and you must overcome. And because of his blood, you can, you will, you should, you must. But there is no such thing as going, well, I was saved when I was eight. (laughs) Good for you. What have you done since? Ask Judas what age he was saved at. Ask uh, Hymenaeus and uh, any of the other men. Demas, what age were you saved at? What difference does that make? Are you winning in the warfare? Do you want to win in the warfare? I got to tell you, the Israelites, they wrote songs. They wrote songs like Brother Peyton writes songs. Forgive me. Peyton and the brothers write songs. The little guy's intimidating. He said, hey, you got to quit telling people I wrote that. It's a team effort. Peyton in the jam. The things that Moses first wrote about, that Miriam danced around the sea with a tambourine, they didn't say, I filled out a decision card. They didn't dance around excited. On what day did you raise a pinky for the Lord? How ridiculous. Were you at the same crusade I was at? <laughs> Listen to what they said. This is Exodus 15.3 and it's a song. The song of Moses. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. See, this is the attribute that God's people sang about. God fights for what he claims is his inheritance. Yes. You are the spoils of war. You were won in a cosmic battle, but that battle is ongoing. And it's supposed to establish God's kingdom on the earth, starting in your life, moving to your family, and then spreading to the nations. Look, all of the prophets, they talk about personal sin. That's that's true. They warn you. But they do more than that. There is another theme that they consistently hit on. Mm. Namely... They hit on the theme of how God will arrive at His inheritance. They always present God's people as the spoils of war in the cosmic realms. We want to share a passage with you. Is that okay? Amen. Come on, are y'all awake this morning? We're preaching better than most of you are listening. You can join us if you want on the stage. I'm happy to call you out. We'll learn to fight together publicly. It'll be awesome. (laughs) 
Church, if we were bringing this to you with a singular scripture, it would be good. But we could literally choose hundreds of scriptures to talk to you. It's not just Exodus 15, 3. We're going to turn to the prophets, those that are warning our soul, but they're going to give us a glimpse into something. Isaiah 34, turn with me there. Isaiah 34 and verse 5. This is a representative verse. We could pick from so many places. They're going to say the exact same idea. Isaiah 34 and verse 5. It says, my sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. Look up here for a second. We're going to read it. It's on the screen. It's there in your lap. My sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. See, it descends in judgment upon Edom. The people I have totally destroyed. The sword of the Lord. In case you thought that this was a different sword. Right. This is the sword of the Lord bathed in blood. Well, that's not very kind. No, because our God is at war. The sword of the Lord is bathed in blood. It is covered with fat. The blood of lambs and goats. Fat from the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in Edom. The Lord is a warrior, church. And He has declared His inheritance. He is willing. He is able. And He's motivated to fight for His inheritance. We are the spoils of a cosmic battle and we have to keep this not just somewhere in the back of our mind. It has to be at the forefront of who we are. That we are the spoils of God's war and that shows us what we must do moving forward. The exact same attitude. The exact same demeanor. You're not allowed to feel differently about this topic. Pastor, I'm just a gentle soul. Well then your gentle soul needs to learn how to be a warrior like your God. I prefer to be kind. <laughs> you got to learn how to pick up a sword if you're going to make it because this is what God does. This is how God acts. This is what God demands. And this is what He's going after. He's going after you as a spoil of war today. You can be kind without being a pansy. You can speak the truth in love without being a political coward. Listen, pastor said that God is willing... Are you willing? Yes. He said that God is able. Are you able? Yes. He said that God is motivated to fight for his inheritance. How motivated are you? Well, maybe we've struck a nerve. Maybe that is what we need to focus on. Maybe we need to pick up some motivation because your life is not supposed to be about your next meal, your next Netflix, or your next happy place. Your life is supposed to be about becoming God's inheritance. Amen. And when God does it, He does it in a spectacular fashion. A sword that's bathed in blood. I can imagine what His face would look like as that sword is brandished. It's a fire in His eyes and a big old smile on His face. (laughs) Pastor Pedro, that sword, that subject, that very thing, I can imagine what His face looked like. That is the scene of Revelation 19. It is why Jesus Christ is in a garment that is splattered in blood. He is a warrior. And the Lord is His name. Turn to Psalm 68. We're going to read 17 through 20. And by the way, Pastor referenced uh, Revelation 19. I grew up thinking, Pastor, this is how silly it was when I grew up. I grew up thinking that He was bathed in the blood that He sacrificed at the cross. I'm offending some of you right now, and I like it. (laughs) 
What a ridiculous idea. He's bathed in the blood of his enemies who have not become his inheritance. And he's putting an end to his enemies. That's whose blood he's bathed in. This is our warrior God. It is. Oh, I hear that song by Lindo Cooley in my head. There's a fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. He's riding a white horse across this land. He's calling out to you and me. Will you ride with me? Yeah, man. Unfortunately, pastor, you can find those bumper stickers on cars. Yes, Lord, I will ride with you. You can hear the quasi-country song warming the hearts of the people, but you don't see many marching with him. No. Are you going to march with him? Yeah. Peyton, let's rewrite that song and make it more manly. Psalm 68, verse 17. Oh, it can be done. I mean, yeah. The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts from men, even from the rebellious, that you, O Lord God, may dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. See, Psalm 68 is quoted in Ephesians 4, where it declares the ministers that are designed by God to mature His people until they arrive at the place of His inheritance are themselves the very spoils of war of God. These are men that he has rescued, men that he has liberated, men that he teaches to go and liberate others. This is the how. Say how. How. How will God accomplish his inheritance? In short, he goes to war for it, and he is in the business of enlisting others to go do the very same thing. Do you want to be enlisted? Yes. Let's cover what you just learned. How will God get there? He goes to war with the celestial powers to liberate a people that will become his ruling agency on earth. I want you to stare at that for a minute. That is not what popular Christianity teaches. That is not what the bargain barn Christianity centers teach at all. We are taught that we're going to rapture away And we are taught that when we get saved, it's all about going to heaven. That is not what the Bible teaches, not by a long shot. It's about a God who goes to war with other celestial powers to liberate a people and reclaim this earth. Heaven gets set up on earth. And earth is our home forever. This is one of the many reasons the epistles continually remind us of something. This warfare theme. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now that we've covered what God will inherit and how God will inherit it, would you like to move to the third question or are you bored? We got your attention in the back, Nolan? 
Look, I can see Brother Juan's paying attention. That's right. We got you back there, Ray? Oh, yeah. Look, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it together. Amen. Hey, what does that second sign right there say? I want to win. Yeah, I still want to win. Do you? Yes. Let's do our third question. Take a look at the third slide. What are we to inherit? See, if you don't get this as the third in priority, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in your theology. When you try to figure out what you're going to inherit before you've already determined and understood what God is to inherit and how he's going to go about it, me, you me, are in me. big trouble. Me, me, me. It's about me. I just know that God loves me. He wants to save me. All I want is for me. I, I'm sorry. I just wrote a Christian worship song from the West Coast. Do, re, me. From the left coast. What are we to inherit? Let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 32 because we are not yet done mining the beauty of the Torah here. Deuteronomy 32 verses 8 and 9 yet again. Say me when you... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You. It's like eating a donut while you're on a treadmill, you know? (laughs) That's right. The truth is, is that's what leads so many Christians so self-centered in everything that they do. When they finally get a blessing from the Lord, it actually derails them from their purpose. God can't even bless His people because they completely think that that is the entirety of why they're here on the planet. You're going to get an inheritance. It's true. God is so good to us that what He establishes, the methodology that He shows, He wants us to replicate. You get to inherit something. And we're going to look at what the Scripture says right now. Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance. When He divided all mankind, He set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob, His allotted inheritance. Church, i got to tell you something. The nations presently possess sections of the globe. We have these imaginary lines that we call borders. You have to show identification. You have to go through special processes just to cross these imaginary lines. See, they, have their, they possess certain sections of the globe, but those nations are under the domination of celestial powers. God's inheritance is His people, and He will fight for them and the inheritance that He's giving them. You don't think that these nations are under the control of celestial powers? Come with me and the Hefners to India next time we get to go. Travel with us to Mexico and see the condition of people. See the condition of people everywhere. And you will understand they are not under the authority of Almighty God yet. (laughs) Wait. You want to see if the nations are under the power of celestial domination? Go to India? That's very true. What do you think is happening right here? Was your church so courageous in the way they faced coronavirus that they showed victory over all the power of... If you don't think this nation is under the domination of celestial powers hostile to God, then you are a deceived person sitting in church. If you think your political party is significantly better than another... They're both wrong, for sure. One just is going faster to hell than the other. This is not God's nation. This is, this is, 
What is happening here in this country is the result of the kind of pathetic popsicle teaching that has been going on here for the last 80 years. Jesus loves me? Great! I love me too! It is selfish. It is sinful. It is a self-centric gospel. The first thing that you should learn is about what God desires to inherit. How God says He will get there. Then somewhere in that process you learn that He also has something for you. You're going to find out that those goals merge. But it's anything but selfish. It's entirely sacrificial. It is. Church, this is why we are trying to impress upon you today the importance of you understanding that Yahweh himself is a warrior and we are the spoils of his celestial battle. We also receive something from this, though. Here's here's the good news. Actually, it's all been incredible news so far. Here's a further part of the good news. Is that you get something from this. Your inheritance is the earth. This is our inheritance. The entirety of the globe is our inheritance. The whole damned planet. But it won't be damned when we get it. (laughs) The whole redeemed planet. (laughs) But we've got something that's even better than you getting the entirety of the redeemed planet as your inheritance. It gets better. Somebody say it gets better. Better. It gets better. As it gets better, it's going to get pashat. What is our inheritance that Pastor just spoke about? The whole redeemed planet. The whole damned to redeem planet. Matthew 5, 5, Peshatli says this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's funny that we could miss that. I mean, yeah. it's like Jesus didn't preach this on a mountain. It's not recorded in the first five chapters of the New Testament. <laughs> It's not uh, the narrative of the whole why, word. Why is this a mystery to us? I have just does Matthew five five say what it says to you? I does your Matthew five five say that? Yes. The meek will inherit heaven. Nope. No. The earth. See those who receive the kingdom rule of God and want to be His co agents on earth will receive the entire redeemed planet as our inheritance. This in and of itself is amazing. But it is not the earth as we know it right now. It is the earth as we dwell with God on it. God and his people as the government of God ruling the earth. Establishing and fulfilling the inheritance that we are to him and what we receive from him. The last book in the Bible is the last book for a reason. It's the culmination of all revelation. It is literally the point with a fine tip on it. This is Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, it's not nice to talk loud in church. (laughs) And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Do you hear how God's inheritance is His people and the people are inheriting the earth plus dwelling with God in the same place? This is Revelation 21 and it gets better. 
There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You've been taught all your life that that is what happens somewhere else called heaven. In Revelation 21, he is standing on the earth watching this descend upon the earth. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down because in a few years, preachers will change this completely. For these words are trustworthy and true, unlike what you guys watch on TBN. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Do you know why we put up with so much False doctrine. We're not thirsty for the real thing. We haven't drunk enough of the Holy Ghost, read enough of the Word to recognize when we're being lied to. And we have these circus centers all around us and everybody loves it. We better wake up. The Bible is about more. It is about something better. There is a destiny for you. He who overcomes... There it is again, friends. Who gets this? Anybody who makes a doctrinal statement. Anybody who gives a tithe to the church. Anybody whose mama loved the Lord and said, my kid did. You got to overcome. Before you excuse yourself from that, you got to live in a victorious way. Let that sit on you for a minute. How sure are you sitting in this room? Oh yeah, my life is is displaying the kind of faith and victory that I am confident. Do you have reason for your confidence? Are you sitting in this room clinging to an old lie? Because the earth and sky are going to flee from His presence. Your old lie, it will not help you on that day. This is the most fired up church that I know. And I am certain that there are damned among us. And I don't want it to be that way. God doesn't want it to be that way. Every man, woman, and child in this room, he wants to inherit for himself. He's willing to fight for you. Are you willing to fight for him? Yes. He doesn't just liberate you from the power of a celestial archon at one time. He continuously liberates you as you fight for Him and with Him. You are both fighting for the same goal, a merger of heaven and earth in His people on this planet. He who overcomes will inherit all this, the new creation where heaven is on earth. And I will be his God. And he, the overcomer, will be my son. God will inherit his people as co-rulers of this planet. And the kingdom of God arrives upon the earth in a physical sense. He does this by defeating all cosmic powers and claiming you as his tribute, his bounty, his treasure, the reason that he went to war. You then also get an inheritance. You get the earth as the place that you rule with God 
as His agents on the earth. You will be His Son like Jesus is His Son. You even get a body to match a glorified one. Once you begin to grasp this truth, as opposed to the kind of fairy tale about simply repeating a statement and going to heaven, the Bible begins to take on a new meaning. God is going to inherit a people who will govern the earth, and those people will inherit the earth that has become the kingdom of God. There's a beautiful symmetry in those promises. Why on earth would we allow something else to be so continuously preached as to pollute the body of Christ on earth? Well, because it's what people want. It requires nothing of you. I believe something and he purchased me and that's it. How do you think there's going to be such a mass falling away of people as described in Matthew 24? They were barely in to start with. They certainly were not soldiers committed to a campaign for the glory of their father. Somebody say glory to God. Glory Glory to God. Do you want to bring glory to him? Yes. Maybe we'll talk more about our third question. Let's review our third question and the answer. Church, we just want to remind you here. Look, we've already given you more truth in these 44 minutes. More of the Bible in a holistic fashion than the large retail Christian circuses. I mean, churches are capable of delivering in a decade. But we're not done yet. We've actually got some beautiful gems that are still ahead of you. Are you ready to go with us to this? What are we to inherit? We inherit the earth that has become the kingdom of God. The two have merged. Heaven has now come here to earth. Which brings us to our fourth question. But I think before we get to the fourth question, we should review just a little bit of the three questions that we've done. We've put it on a singular slide for you. What will God inherit? God is going to inherit a people supernaturally transformed into His ruling agency on earth. I want to take just a second here to to help you to understand that God is intending to help you, to transform you, to make you to be this. If you're hearing condemnation in what He wants, you've missed the point. He has the power. He is going to supernaturally transform you as you walk in this because He is going to get His inheritance. Did you ever want to inherit something? Look, I don't know what you came from. I mean, the people in my family drank out of paper sacks with bottles in them. They drove El Caminos and the back tires on their cars were twice as wide as the front. And most of the time, my own children weren't safe around my uncles. So they were not good people. But having said that, I remember seeing a rifle or, you can tell how I grew up, or a particular revolver. I couldn't wait to inherit that. I longed for it. I looked forward to the day I got to hold that in my hand. God calls you His inheritance, but it's not the you that exists now. It's the you that you allow Him to make you into. He wants to do it in you. He will do it in you. But you have to want it. You have to fight for it. This truth is supposed to give you hope. It's supposed to give you life, not to put you down. We're telling you that He can do it. There's no lack that he has. Quit focusing on yourself and the lack that you have. See, this is what we're saying. He is going to get his inheritance. And how is he going to get there? My goodness, he's going to go to war for it. He goes to war with the celestial powers. 
those giants in your life that you haven't been able to conquer. But as you give yourself wholly to Him, He will help you. He will win in your life. Go to war with the celestial powers to liberate a people that will become His ruling agency on earth. Church, what are we to inherit? We're going to inherit the earth. A renovated, modified, renewed version that has become the kingdom of God right here on this planet. This is an incredible uh, development here, but we've got some better things for you yet ahead. Now, we want to cover the most practical of all four of these questions. Let's pull up our next slide. How do we hope to get there? In order to get the point of what we're driving at in this fourth question. Now is not the time to check your phone and see what WhatsApp messages come through. Go to the bathroom. You just got to put some more force into it and hold it. You can't go into the hallway and begin to count Pretend the number. Pretend it's a movie. You'll make through it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Please don't go in the fellowship hall or roam throughout the church counting the number of ceiling tiles. Staring at the pictures on the wall. This is the time to focus and pay attention. This is the time we're going to get everything that God is trying to give us. See, the first three questions that we gave you don't matter at all if you cannot arrive at the answer of the fourth question. That's true. Do you want to know how we hope to get there, church? I'll give you a hint. It's not just by believing. That's the all-encompassing answer for those who haven't seriously answered the question. So let's turn to Joshua chapter 15. I I have another one of those cultural references that nobody but Bosch will get. The monkeys. Oh, yeah. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried. Unfortunately, they've made a whole new religion in Christianity here. Uh, I'm sorry that those of you too young to understand that won't get it. We'll teach you from the word instead. But that was a special moment between (laughs) Bosch and I. Let's go to Joshua 15, verse 13. Uh huh. And We're too busy with the singing to put anybody down. down. Yeah, because it's not God's best for you. Frickin' coward. They're monkeys, okay, right. Joshua fifteen thirteen. <laughs> In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah. Yeah, he did. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. See, God had an inheritance for Caleb. An inheritance that God would consider inalienable. Something Caleb was destined for. A tangible piece of earth for him. The problem is, there's a Nephilim giant that thought it was his. Actually, three of them. God wanted Caleb and his descendants to experience their portion, their halak, their own spoils of war. So while he gives them the land as an inheritance, they have to join him in a fight to achieve the inheritance. That way God and his people are equally invested in the same thing. He expected them and you to actually participate in battle, not just belief. Belief is easy. Battle takes bravery. I'm talking about a spiritual battle that husbands, you fight for your wives. Wives and husbands, you fight for your children. You stand up to the powers of hell knowing that God will fight for you and with you. But sitting back and believing 
Well, you can do that with Santa Claus once a year. Let's go into the next verse. From Hebron, or Kiriath Arba, the city of the four. He, Caleb drove out the three Anakites. Yeah. Three giants that are there. Now, in case you're missing this, the Bible is naming these giants. Actually naming them. Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. It's giving you all four that this city of the four is telling you about. The very name has to do with this. Caleb drove out the Nephilim. He drove out the giants. He drove out three giants in his day. By the way, in case you missed it, Caleb's 85 when he's doing this. He's 85 and driving out giants from his inheritance. He's going to war and he is going to get the spoils of the war. See, others have turned away from the struggle and they lost their inheritance. But not Caleb. Caleb, who had a different spirit about him. A different kind of nature, a spirit about him. He took the inheritance as a spoil of the war. It became his portion, even as he himself was God's portion. You got to get that. I'm going to say that again. It's easy enough to hear, but we want it to sink down into you. Caleb took Hebron and it became his portion even as he himself was God's portion in this. There was a whole nation of people who believed. There was a whole nation who heard the words of God. But they did not get their portion like this man, Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, they had a different spirit about them and they got the portion. They got the spoils of war that God had intended for so many others to get who needed to do more than believe they had to march on into war like they were supposed to. Oh, what an example that is set before us to live up to. When surrounded by a nation that just believes, we have one brave man who stepped up and went to battle. He went to war. And did you hear what pastor said? That it became his portion, even as he himself was God's portion. That it was a double blessing. Let's pick up in verse 15. From there, he marched. Uh Oh, now, 85-year-old man who watched the first generation of unbelieving Israelites die in the desert. The second generation raised up. He was still as strong and vigorous as he was in the first time. He was vigorous. Very vigorous. It might take me a minute to get there, but when I do, you're done. Oh, you're going to walk over, but you're going to limp back. That's what's going to happen. (laughs) Then he got up and he began to march. Oh, when we put aside our belief and begin to go into battle, that's when it becomes alive and tangible and real. And the kingdom of God begins to be displayed on earth as it is in heaven underneath our very own feet. From there, he marched, because it ain't nothing for a stepper, against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who just believes to the man who just sits on the side and looks pretty with skinny jeans. Give him to the pansy that filled out a card. No, no, no pansies. I will give my daughter Aksa. New York pansies. Do it away with the pansies. I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kilian Suffer. Oh, there was a man. Gabriel Southern. I mean, Othniel, son of Kanaz. That's what I'm talking about. 
Caleb's brother, he took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Oxa to him in marriage. Oh, I know a little bit of something about this. Just yesterday, I gave my daughter to Gabriel Sutherland in marriage because he was a man with a different spirit. He was a man that knew how to march. He is a man that is going to take my daughter and lead her into battle to become an inheritance for God and claim an inheritance from God. See, Caleb didn't just succeed himself. He went out and encouraged others to do exactly what he did. What if we only gave our daughters to men who fought for the inheritance of God and saw the necessity of joining in the spoils of war? I got three more daughters to give away. I'm looking for a young man who will rise up with a different spirit, who will go to battle and fight for God's inheritance. And I'll be more than happy to arrange the marriage. You good with that, girls? How do you identify that kind of man. I mean, everybody says they believe. I mean, this guy, who are you to say that he doesn't love Jesus with all his heart? Because men march and that one's sitting down. That's why. Men march. Men find out what God wants and that's what they go after and the young lady should be drawn to that, not a young man who's simply going after her. Come on. You want to find out how to identify a godly groom? Is he a man? Let's start there. That's hard for this generation. It's not a fluid situation. Men, march. And when you find out what God wants and you go after it, that's the kind that you should want to build a family around. But Pastor Wade said something that I just got to go back to. A different spirit. Different. Different from what? Different from everyone else. Even the entire nation that said that they believed. Numbers 14, 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. How spirit-filled are you, saint? Well, how much of your life is wrapped up in doing what the spirit of holiness does? Mm. Oh, no, man, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Shanda Bahaya. That's a joke. Devil is a liar. No, you got a merit badge. You got an eyedropper experience. And great, you can speak in a heavenly language. So can a two or three year old. When you really get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's a continual ongoing process that invades every area of your heart and life. And you grow in that. But, but, but I prophesy. Yeah, people did that. Read Matthew 7, 21, and they weren't known by Jesus. We need to get rid of this idea of, I've done this, so now I'm good. No, friends, you're in a military campaign that's a long ways from done. And your assurity comes from your investment in the battle, not from some statement somebody else gives you. No man arrives at his inheritance or receives the spoils of war without something. You must have a different spirit. The spirit of Yahweh's holiness. This is the only means by which you will ever receive that for which God has destined you. You can't arrive to the position of His Son without the spirit of His Son. 
You need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Every one of you, you need more of the Holy Ghost. Look, I saw men stand in this room yesterday and raise a glass to a noble toast. And I love it. I, I too occasionally like to drink things that have been well fermented. But if there's anything in your life you need to drink more deeply from, it's the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, you can say it better amen than that. See, the story that we're telling you about Caleb is a beautiful story. See, Othniel got Aksa. But Aksa also wanted something from her father in addition to the land that she was given. Let's look back at Joshua 15 and verse 19. She replied, do me a special favor. That's a really, that's a pretty bad translation. I mean, it really is. Do a special favor for me. This is a daughter asking her father for a unique blessing from him. The word is blessing here. Since you've given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. See, the Lord of glory, Carlito. The Lord of glory and the master of war. Father of glory! The master of war has a spring in the heavenlies. An upper spring. A whole can of holy warrior waiting to be opened up on somebody. Oh, man. We got that can of holy warrior whooping, ready to be opened up and poured out. See, he also had a lower spring, one that he will place inside of you so that you can pop a top. At the time of your choosing. And drink as deeply of the spirit of the warrior as you wish. Until you are overflowing with that spirit of the warrior. How? How do we achieve the inheritance that God has given us? There, or God has for us. There can only be no other way than by his spirit. You don't have to go to an ecclesiastical source. To get filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't require a dude in some kind of queer hat. It doesn't require somebody dressed in ladies clothes. Pretending to be a man of God. Jesus has made that spirit available for you. The same spirit that he was empowered with. We're, we're kind of tongue in cheek. Like you can pop a top anytime you want. If you are a man in the kingdom. A full grown adult human being that is in love with the Lord, you can ask him for his presence and he will fill you if you're serious about the bottle, the battle. That's an extraordinary privilege. But there's more. He doesn't only give you a spirit. He also directs you by something else. A co-witness. A revelation reticle. A spiritual scope. A co-witness for God's co-ruler. His spirit works in conjunction with his word. I want you to see something easily in Daniel. Daniel is showing us how to walk faithfully in a historical context. Daniel 9.2 In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. Not from YouTube, not from Google, not from a sermon somebody once said. From the scriptures. According to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. That the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel knew when it was time to go to war. From reading 
the Scripture. Daniel knew what he was fighting for from reading the Scripture. Daniel is going to rise to his inheritance as a co-ruler with God on earth because of the direction of the Word of God and the empowerment of the Spirit. Daniel wasn't just filled with the Spirit. He was reading the Scripture. It's almost as if God foresaw the Pentecostal and charismatic zoo that has overtaken us. You need the filling of the Holy Ghost. And you need the direction of the Word. You need that more than your next breath. Because your next breath is worthless. If the Spirit is not empowering your life and the Word directing your footsteps. It's not enough to hang that on a plaque in your kitchen. It needs to be written across every deed in your life. Hey, are y'all in Daniel 9? Watch, Watch this. Get used to this. Turn the page. There we go. Yeah. See, you're going to do more of that in your daily life. And then we won't have to preach like this because you'll be so filled with it. It'll be overflowing from you. And you will recognize the putrid flowing of sewage all around us being presented as Christianity. We want the real thing. Amen. Look at Daniel 10, verse 12. Daniel's going to give us a beautiful picture of how to direct our strength here. Then he continued... Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. See, church, when Daniel, he was moved by the Spirit and directed by the word of the prophet Jeremiah, he found himself in the midst of a celestial battle that was opposing, that was delaying his answer for 21 days. But Daniel dropped to his knees and the upper and the lower springs of heaven Filled him with the spirit of the holy warrior of God. Yes. See, Daniel then, he began to pray. Principalities were displaced. Powers were pushed back. Darkness was defeated. And God's inheritance was placed in process. Come on, Daniel did that. You are called to do that. You have an inheritance to fight for. You can get filled with the Spirit directed in His Word. Which one of these things can you not do? Principalities displaced. Powers pushed back. Darkness defeated. This all happened from Daniel praying. You are capable. You can do this. You are strong. And you are numerous. Go and take your land. Amen. Amen. How are you going to receive your inheritance, church? That's the question that's before you. Certainly, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Certainly, you have to be directed by the Word. You also have to have a revelation through prayer about what God wants to do. Did you hear the phrase? Your people in the future? He had a revelation. This angelic force was coming to declare something to him that was unknown before. 
the Spirit, the Word, and prayer are operating in this holy place in Daniel's life. He got a revelation about your people in the future. You've got to be able to see. You've got to begin to see your inheritance as an inalienable, immutable, unstoppable reality worth fighting for because it's the spoil of the war in your life. we got to get revelation in this house. We are trying to bring you to a point of revelation today so that the Lord might begin to speak to you about these things so that you can see the future of your people because you are part of His inheritance, His spoils of war. Church, is your inheritance worth fighting for? Are you going to fight for it? Let's look at the last question with the answer on the slide. How do we hope to get there? Empowered by His Spirit. Drinking of what heaven has to offer to give us His empowerment, His nature as a warrior because the Lord is a warrior and Yahweh is His name. We are directed by His Word, that life-giving Word that shows us how to carry it out. And then we aim our fight at the inheritance as God has defined it. Staying within what He has shown us and putting every ounce and fiber of our energy into fighting for the inheritance that God has outlined for us. This message is called Unanswered Questions. Why are they unanswered? Is it because the Bible doesn't enumerate the answer? No, because nobody cared to ask the question. They want what they want out of Christianity. Friends, that'll never work. It never has worked. At best, you may have gotten somewhere close like a starter kit and then learn what Christianity is. You don't get to determine that the goal is you. You don't get to determine the route and the path. The Bible lays these things out. You either get to participate with God or find yourself working against God. There's no middle ground. None of the things that we're talking about are done by simply listening to preaching. Even good preaching. I mean, I don't mind saying, this was good preaching. It's going to require you to do something. You're going to have to do something. And man, Americans don't like that. We drive the biggest vehicles, we have the fattest bank accounts compared to the rest of the world, and we're so insecure. Don't test. I don't. Don't make me speak. Don't make me do anything. In the kingdom of God, your belief is displayed in your action. A whole nation said they believed, but their actions said they didn't. So Hebrew says they died in unbelief. None of them admitted to having unbelief. Right. I want to go back through the four questions so you can develop your action plan. We're at a closing place here. Honestly, we have 75% left in this message, and we thought we'd be 25, 30 minutes in right here. We were, we were wrong. We repent in church a lot. We, we're just wrong. We're going to end this message on these four questions. You have to come back if you want more. But what four questions to uh, focus on? What will God inherit. You see right there it says a people supernaturally transformed into its ruling agency. 
I want you to understand if you care about what God wants to inherit, then when 2 Corinthians 5.17 says something like, if any man is in Christ, he is a new new creation. Did you think that by saying that it made it so? See what's wrong with Christians? No, I believe it. It says it. Yes, but you haven't become it. You have to be transformed. Being in Christ causes the transformation. Staying in Christ completes the transformation. Your battling with Christ makes that statement true. You saying it doesn't make it true about you. Well, I'm in Christ. Any man's in Christ. He's a new creation. Except you're still living like a scumbag. But I know I'm in Christ. The evidence is to the contrary. But I believe not enough to go to battle. Are you radically, supernaturally transformed into something that God is going to inherit? Well, which one of us is done with that? But you're at least in process. Amen. And after you have received and are receiving that foundational transformation, this is supposed to give you hope. This is supposed to allow you to see that God is the one that's at work. I can't transform myself. It's supernatural. It's not natural. I can't do it. But when I fully rely on Him and trust in His Word, empowered by His Spirit, I know that He wants to inherit this life. I can trust in that. I can allow my head to be raised and say, yes, yes, you are seeing. This is why your pastors do not try to hide anything from you. We are showing you where we are weak so you can also see the progress of the transformation that's happening in us. That you might have the hope that he'll do it in you. We trust in God. He will inherit what he desires. We will trust that He is going to supernaturally transform us. Not one day way long ago. My God, I need Him to transform me right this second. In fact, you're going to get an opportunity in just a minute to experience it. Oh, what you see in us. We weren't born this way. We were born again this way. That God gave us a supernatural transformation. Well, I may not be true theologically, practically, I'm still being born again that way. (laughs) Yes, again and again. It's a daily process. And for what purpose? For what direction? We were transformed into His ruling agency on earth. That we were born again into His name to join the works of His name. How are we going to get to God's inheritance? Well, he goes to war with the celestial powers to liberate a people that will become his ruling agency on earth. Did you know that 1 John 3, 8 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work? If we're going to see God's kingdom come about, his inheritance in his people, you have to destroy the devil's work. Well, how do you do that? Well, I'm going to suggest you start with your life and then you do it in your family and then you think about the nations. I'm going to suggest that you materially 
participate in the battle in every way possible. Writing a check is way too easy. You need to bleed some for it. You need blisters on your hands for it. You need some sleepless nights for it. You don't get to live your entire life here without regard to the battle and inherit the throne of God. That'll never happen. It is reserved for those that are giving up their life here so that we may have His throne in a renovated earth. Church, there is no other pattern. God Himself lays out the pattern that He fights for His inheritance. He fights for His spoils of war, His portion. How can we expect to do anything different than what the God of all creation is doing and demonstrating for us? This church has been built... It's even bigger than this church. It's the kingdom is built on this wartime mentality for you to understand that we're going to have less talk and more walk. That we've got to be able to put into practice and to be moving forward in a warlike, warrior kind of campaign because our God has set this example for us. He set the example by going to war with celestial powers in order to liberate a people that will become His ruling agency Right here on planet earth, your day, your time, this is how we're to view what God's going to do. What are we to inherit? Well, we inherit the earth that has become the kingdom of God, or you could say kingdom of heaven on earth. Why is that so important? Because it starts right now. It starts with every step you take. In fact, it began with the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says it so clear. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go ye into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey my commands. He spoke that to his disciples. But Acts 1 makes it very clear. He said, in Jerusalem. And there was a reason why. In order to go and claim that inheritance, becoming his inheritance, they needed the empowerment of the Spirit to carry them forward. Come on, man. That's even in the Lord's prayer to us. That his kingdom would come. His will would be done on earth. Yeah. See, we're, get, we're the advanced team here. We're getting to start bringing his kingdom here in our lives, in our homes, that His kingdom might be here on earth, that we will inherit the earth that has become the kingdom of God. It's literally heaven on earth. How do we hope to get there? How do you revolutionize the planet? How do you ensure that God revolutionizes you? How do you make sure that you and the revolution God started in you Arrive at the same place as the revolution that God's doing in the planet. How do all of these goals merge? You have to be empowered by His Spirit. You have to be directed by His Word. The aim of your life has to be to fight for the inheritance as God defined it. Look. We're at the place of closing. An hour and 18 is about as long as we want to go. In Luke 4, Jesus walks into a wilderness and wins. Do you know why? He's full of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 7.55, Stephen marches towards martyrdom. 
shows himself to be a man of God and he wins. Do you know why? Full of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 11, 24, Barnabas is out there making disciples and changing Antioch. Do you know why? He's full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to read to you one last passage and then we're going to stand to our feet. I want you to not think about the Apostle Paul as a special class of human being that is unobtainable to you. Because that's a really cowardly way to look at it. You're not venerating him. You're not honoring him. You're dishonoring the message that he preached when you treat it that way. The whole mission in life was that you could do what he did. Romans 15, 17. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to... I can't speak today. Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Friends, there was no question that Paul became God's inheritance. There's no question that he engaged in battle. There's no question of what he will inherit. There's not even a hope that he will get there. There's a certainty that he will get there. But why? Because he embraced these answers in his own life. And it consumed his life. Prison couldn't keep him away. Shipwrecks couldn't keep him away. Beatings couldn't stop him. What obstacles in your way? Well, I just don't want to look silly in front of everybody. Then you don't deserve the kingdom. And I'm happy that I won't have to share it with you. Say, oh no, I'm supposed to grieve. No, I don't want one coward to be there because God himself said he wouldn't accept a coward in the kingdom. How can you say that? The Bible says it. Men are the ones that are changing that. What is your obstacle? Well, I just don't know if I can do it. Now that I understand. You can't. That's why His Spirit enters you so that He causes you to win. So, well, I just don't want to be a hypocrite. That, that I understand. All of us were hypocrites until his spirit causes you to be able to do differently and all of us are still asking for more of that well i just want it to be genuine that'll never stop start with you genuinely just sitting in your seat you're going to have to genuinely show some faith to be genuine However you've been taught to think about faith, it is that you trust Him enough to try with all of your heart. In just a second, we're going to stand to our feet. And when we do, so often this altar fills. I mean, I I get that. I'm all for that. I'm not asking that you look to your left and right and run down here to join some kind of movement. What I'm really asking you to do is figure out what specifically 
you're going to do to better aim at God's inheritance, His inheritance in you. What specifically is going to change in your daily life that you now know and you're asking the Lord to fill you and empower you to do? Otherwise, you just make yourself guilty at this altar. You'll stand before Him one day and 7,000 times you came down and you fell on your face as long as there were 200 other people doing the same thing. What we want for you is a genuine hunger to be filled with the power that causes you to win. And for you to want to win like God does. Win doesn't look like a better job. You'll stop caring about that. Win doesn't look like a bigger house. You won't care about that. Win doesn't look like I need this vehicle and not that. You won't care about All you will care about is getting God's inheritance. See, that's a radically different thing than is being preached. And it's why we still preach in a warehouse and not the compact center. We want you to join that battle. As I pray, stand to your feet and do what you must. Father, we're asking here, right now, that your Ruach HaKodesh, your spirit of holiness, would help us. The truth is, Lord... We don't know what to do. We know what your word says and we're entirely incapable of doing it without your presence. So here we are saying, come and fill us. Here we are saying, Lord, we'll be desperate for you. We'll be humiliated that you might be glorified. Lord, we'll crucify our flesh here and now. That we might be filled with the Spirit that raised you from the dead. Religion, leave this room. Pretense, be gone from this room. In the name of Jesus, we want the pure, unadulterated Spirit of God to move upon us. Lord, we want our own Pentecost. Light the fire of our damaged altars in our hearts. Come in here and move upon your people now. We make our lives a sacrifice before you.